Hey. Hey. Yeah. How's it going? It is good. I am so excited about February. I feel like January lasted 3,000 years. Okay. I really 3, do. Years, 3,000 years and also like two days all at once. We yeah. joke at work that <laughs> it was the 84th day of January um, in the beginning of the day. And then it was the 0.5th day of January, <laughs> um, the back half of the day. So it's just been chaos, but we're here. Yeah. It's February. It is. And- we have a really exciting new theme for this month's podcast, which is self-love. self-love. Yes. We are so excited about that. I, if you are not following us on our socials over on Instagram, uh, Facebook, TikTok, if you're not following us at Little Too Much Podcast on all the platforms, you're missing out because we're doing a daily challenge on loving yourself. Um, and it will kind of go around each week's episode, uh, which brings us to today. I am so excited. I have a longtime friend who I actually met because she went to college with my very best friend from back home who we've had on the pod. Um, and she is a therapist in New Orleans. She is amazing. She has two little girls and I just enjoy watching her life uh, happen so much. Welcome Christy to the pod. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Yes. So tell us a little bit about you and your life and your practice and um, what made you get into the field, all those things. Yeah. Um, Okay. So as you said, I'm Christy and um, I am from Thomasville, Georgia. So not far from Cairo. Um, Backstory. I did listen to the episode that y'all had with Whitney and um, I was like, oh gosh, like the Cairo syrup makers and the Thomas County Central Yellow Jackets were like rivals. <laughs> we would call Grady County Shady Grady. Yes. I don't know anymore. You know, I'm sure that they have like trash names for Thomasville. It's all good. Um, so yeah, I, gosh, I have not lived in Thomasville though since 2005. Um, oh. so graduated from high school. Um, I, I also went to Brute Parker. That's how I knew Whitney and, um, pursued, uh, psychology there. And I'll be honest, y'all, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, even getting a psychology degree. Um, I think I just saw myself as this like maverick of just like, I'll just do whatever I feel like I'm supposed to do when it happens and I'll just know. And, um, yeah, so that took me, I guess, like, I moved to um, Cleveland, Ohio, of all places, to go mm-hmm. do college ministry for a couple of years after I graduated college, because I still just wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. And a very wise woman sat me down and was just so bluntly honest and said, you cannot do anything with a bachelor's degree in psychology. You need to get a master's. And I was like, you're wrong. She was like, no, honey, I'm right. I've lived life longer than you. And, you know, you know how we are in our early 20s. Like, we think we know everything. And so um, had some wise mentors uh, at the church just talking through men, mentors, by the way. Like, I do feel like that's important because that doesn't always happen. Um, And they were just saying, you know, have you considered a counseling degree and have you considered seminary? And, um, I was like, no and no. And mind you, I had gone to Bruton Parker, which is a, uh, Christian school. So I had seen several of those ministry majors and I was like, I don't want to be anything like that. 
because several of them kind of have like a, I don't know, there's like a Christian bro vibe and I am not hating on all Christian brothers because we have some wonderful Christian brothers, but y'all know those Theo bros, you know who I'm talking about. They, they, they learn like an inch of theology and they have this knowledge that they just have to share with everybody. And they're like, my husband calls them like stage, stage Calvinists. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and if that is not a soundbite from this week's episode, I'm going to be real disappointed. A hundred percent. Your girl was not her, not excited about pursuing seminary. So, but I did it. I applied. I got in. I moved to New Orleans. I knew nobody. Well, I knew like one other person, and um, started the counseling program there. And even as I was doing it, y'all, I I think I had a lot of doubt of just. Is this really what I feel called to? Is this really what I want to do? And the longer that I was in the program and the longer I kind of learned some of those skills, I was like, yes, this is what I need to do. So um, I met Josh, who is my husband, uh, my last year of seminary. And, um, you know, we dated like on paper. We probably looked like that seminary couple that was like we dated pretty quick. We got engaged pretty quick, um, got married pretty quick, but we were both in our late twenties and like we had dated and like, we knew what we wanted. We knew what we didn't want. And like, I don't know when you know what you're looking for and what you're willing to put up with and what you're not willing to put up with makes the dating process much easier. Agreed. Yeah. Completely agreed. Yes. Yeah. We, um, gosh, I, I was. I graduated and y'all, I worked as a barista immediately after uh, seminary because I couldn't find a counseling job. Um, And and that was not what I had saw for myself. You know, Uh, I remember um, dealing with some really terrible customers one day and I was like, I have a master's degree and I'm putting up with this bull crap right now, you know, (laughs) and and being a counselor too. I was like, I can see why you're so mad too. And let me help you unpack that. Yeah. (laughs) Thankfully a job opportunity opened. And, um, one of my, one of my friends, uh, who I dearly love, she's also a therapist and she, uh, had encouraged me, you know, when you're looking for jobs, look for, um, three things, you're looking for three main things as a freshly graduated counselor you're looking for a job that's going to give you a paycheck right you're looking for a job that's going to give you the hours that you need to get licensed and in the state of louisiana we had to have three thousand hours and then you're looking for a job that incorporates your passions right and she said the reality is you'll be lucky if you find a job that meets two of those and, um, and I did, I found a job that got me quick hours and I found a job that got me uh, a solid, steady paycheck. But y'all, I was working with some of the hardest population that you have to work with in New Orleans, which was, um, teenagers and their families who were involved in the um, juvenile justice system. So it took me all over the greater New Orleans area. I would not trade those days for anything because I learned so much, um, and it was really good for me, uh, but I don't ever want to go back, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, It was kind of like, that was my Egypt. I learned a lot. Looking forward to the promised land. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after that, um, I took a little break. So I got, I had my first girl uh, in 2019. And leading up to that, I felt very strongly the Lord saying, uh, take a break. 
for a year from counseling. And y'all, that scared me so bad because I just thought, like, what am I going to do? Um, like, what if, what if I don't ever counsel again, which, you know, we're kind of like that sometimes that all or nothing thinking we, we forget that God has a bigger plan. And, um, and, and I'm so glad I did because I got, I've had a part-time job and it just wasn't counseling. It was counseling related, um, that helped sustain us and provide and kept some of my skills sharp, but I got so much extra time with my baby, you know, that, that first year. And, Mm um, when Nora actually gosh, before Nora turned one, my friend Carrie Ann um, reached out to me and said, I want you to start praying about being on my team at Full Life. Now her team at the time was just her. So (laughs) she, uh, she had had, she'd opened Full Life Christian Counseling, uh, maybe for about a year or two. And she reached out to me and another one of our friends and said, I want y'all to pray about joining. um, And it'll be the three of us. And, um, so we prayed all three of us and we started, uh, working together and, uh, that is the company that I'm still with. And today, gosh, we have, I think six therapists. Wow. Um, and then we have two office personnel or maybe we have 10 of us now. I can't even remember. Um, I should know this right off the top of my head, but I would say uh, the Lord has just blessed us at full life, and um, I love it. Like, absolutely love it. So that was a long answer to your first okay. question. Great. It's okay. Ask <laughs> Corey is important on this podcast because then we can, we can really ask a lot of questions. So this is yeah. fantastic. Yes. I love it. Excuse me. I think, like, from just like being in like I grew up very similarly as far as like background like very religious very much in the faith um grew up traveling to West Africa um very often at a very young age and then coming home and told okay you live in a round circle you went to a square circle and now you're going to try and fit your square not your square circle your square into the circle and you're not going to be able to have fun with that. That was like pretty much the like long and short of it. I saw things that I shouldn't have seen at 15, 16. Um, but it was for the work of the Lord. Right. And so I kind of carried that through my adulthood. Um, and recently just really hammered through a lot of therapy, EMDR working through what were very, very positive experiences. Um, but ultimately led to a lot of trauma that I did not realize was trauma. So I say all of that to say, what is like your advice to the fellow believers, Christians in the world? This is a very heavy question, but like in the world, like who are really hesitant to therapy, even if they may not feel like they have quote unquote problems such a good question and I think initially my so I'll say this too my response now is probably very different from what my response would have been five years ago you know so I think five years ago I think I would have just tried to convince somebody to go Mm. but I think now um my response would would probably follow up with the question of like what what causes you to be 
maybe not even to be fearful, but like, what is it that prevents you from wanting to try therapy? You know, what is, what do you know about therapy? Um, what is it about therapy that maybe turns you off of the idea of trying mm. therapy? Um, because some, so many of our, I'm going to call them beliefs. Not that we necessarily are even aware of our beliefs, but we live out our lives so many times on these functional beliefs that we would never state out loud that we actually believe, but they've all been shaped and formed in us from experiences. And they're not even always our experiences. Maybe it's the experience of somebody else and we saw what happened to them, or maybe it's the experience of, um, well, this person told me what happened and, and that did not go well for them. So there's no way that I'm going to try it. So I think I would be really curious about what the barriers are or what the, the attitude about therapy is, um, what their, if there are fears, what mm-hmm. are their fears about it? What, what is contributing to those hesitations? Mm-hmm. You know, when I was growing up in the church, I grew up in a very charismatic kind of Pentecostal environment mm-hmm. and, you know, they never shamed anybody for going to the doctor, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't a situation where you couldn't take an Advil, you know, some people in the church might frown upon it and say you should have prayed first, you know, but they, they didn't frown upon you for going to the doctor for, right. you know, the flu. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was very widely accepted that Mm -hmm. any issue around mental health okay most mental illness was considered demonic right right and issues concerning mental health weren't talked about in a way of sickness like if you had anxiety you didn't pray enough right Mm -hmm. if you had depression you weren't grateful enough right Mm -hmm. if you you know um struggled with anything looking like schizophrenia, um, a personality disorder, anything like that, then, you know, you, we need to pray the demon out. Okay. That, that's the kind of environment I grew up in. And I went on to get a degree in psychology, right. Um, because I just was just, I grew up with a bipolar dad, right. Like I Mm. saw it firsthand, right. What life looked like when he was on his meds versus what looked like when he wasn't on his meds. Right. You know? And so, I was very curious about all things mental health. And I don't think it was until I was in college and taking abnormal psychology classes and all of those things where I was started to unpack some of those things about, you know, we can take Advil for a headache, but why can't we take an antidepressant, right? Like our brains can get sick just like our bodies can get sick. The brain is a part of the body, right? Um, And so it wasn't until then I started to unpack that. So I guess I kind of just kind of want to see maybe what your perspective is on, on some of those beliefs that are still widely held. Right. Yeah. I mean, that it's not just like, I mean, yeah, this was my experience 20 years ago, but it's still a widely held belief in some, some religious circles. Right. Right. Um, and I know of course we have people listening that didn't grow up religious, but they still know that there is a big um, stigma still around right. mental health, right? I mean, you have people that are part of the military that won't go and use the resources oh, yeah. they have because they don't want anybody to know. I'm married yeah. to a pastor. He will not take pastoral counseling within his denomination. Why? Because there is a stigma around it, right? That if the pastor doesn't have it all together, 
right? Then he's not equipped to to lead or serve, which is not true, right? right? But Anyway, so I said a lot just now, but but what what are your kind of thoughts like surrounding that? Like, how would you kind of encourage and kind of combat those those fears? I guess maybe maybe not even fears, maybe beliefs or fears or I don't know, fear of judgment. I don't know. Yeah. Gosh, I mean that's that is such a huge question and and a necessary one. I think that's a, it's a very important one to unpack and and explore and. I mean, I, I, I was right there, y'all. Uh, I mean, I even even having a psychology degree, I don't think I fully understood the the crippling impact that something like untreated depression can have on a person until mm-hmm. I saw it. And I do think that's how so many people are. You know, we 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 grow up and we form these beliefs. You know, sort of what what I already said of just we we will believe something as if it is factual and if enough people say it then it gets reinforced in us and then it's kind of hard to convince us of otherwise um and so i do think oh this is going to sound almost belittling and i don't mean for it to be at all but i think a lot of people speak as if they know about mental health and they know how to treat it but they don't know the first thing about it really right and, yeah um you know, I, there, oh gosh, this is where I will say one of the ways that myself and a few of our other friends are trying to navigate that big question is right. we, we are actually, we hold a conference called mental health in the church conference. I Last year was our first one, but it's to, to answer questions like that. And it's to actually have a conversation of, um, it, gosh, and it's not just counselors, it's for pastors, because mm-hmm. whether or not they believe it, they have their own mental health strain and struggle. Um, they're caring for flocks of people that takes a toll on you. Where maybe mm-hmm. when you start out as a pastor, when you're 25, you feel great about life. When you're 35, you're going to feel different because you have seen so much suffering in the body mm-hmm. of your church. And you recognize you have limits of what you can do and what you can't do. Right. Right. And and maybe if you're not a person who can hold the reality that mental health is a real struggle and that you can't just treat it with prayer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a chemical issue in our brain and we need medicine or we need extra time on a treadmill to get the serotonin levels up, then you're going to have a really hard time taking care of yourself. And then you're going to have a hard time continuing down that path as a pastor. Right. Um, and, and even, you know, I, I, I think, gosh, this is kind of unpacking like a bigger philosophical issue, but I do think, in pockets of conservative Christianity, we have this tendency to focus more on the spiritual and less mm-hmm. on the physical. And one of the ripple effects of the consequences of that is we see a belittling of our mental health needs and counseling and in some aspects, even doctors, you know, um, <laughs> and an a overemphasis on prayer and um, and just your spiritual life. Both are mm-hmm. necessary. 
and both impacts one another. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. we need both and we for need sure. an appropriate level of care for both. Right. A hundred percent. And that's like something, you know, it's taken, I feel like it's being more widely talked about. Obviously we're talking about it now. Um, there are more dialogues around mental health and recognizing, okay, yes, like a pastor to a lot of people is visualized um, as a therapist and that's not what they went to school for. And yeah. people will just call them up and be like, yo, what's going on? And like vomit their life at them. And right. they're not, they have to be mentally sound and that's not a fair ask all the time. And they need to be seeking counsel as well, because there are some hard things that people pass. We call we jokingly call it trauma dumping, but yes. people will trauma dump and there are repercussions to trauma dumping on somebody who also isn't necessarily in the best headspace to receive that. And so like, it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to talk about because it is talking about more. Um, but it's like really encouraging to me, like that it is being discussed because I'm watching some of, you know, the kids in the youth group who are starting to go through therapy and work through the, those beliefs and things that they may not have said out loud, but were spoken to them right. um, often, myself included. Like I, it took a lot to figure out why I was getting angry about all of my traveling and all of the missionary work that I had done. I was like, why am I angry? Like that was such a positive experience. And it was through conversations like this that made me feel like, okay, yeah, you're okay to do that. Um, but it's that spirit and physical element that's so important. Mm -hmm. I think um, like a question I have too, um, we can talk about for just like the general person um, from a therapy aspect. I don't know how to word this. Um, when is it not too late, but the right time to look into counseling and therapy? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, obviously, if you are experiencing maybe like dysfunctional patterns in your life, and I guess I even say dysfunctional loosely because that can look different for different people. Right. But if we, if we use the definition of dysfunctional in the sense of like, um, it's things are interrupting your life. Um, you are not experiencing a sense of wellness. You're not experiencing a sense of fulfillment. Um, things that used to bring you joy, don't bring you joy anymore. You don't have energy. Yeah. Like emotional reactivity wow, that person said that. And like, I just lost it for, with either like anger and I blew up on them or tears and I couldn't stop crying. So any, any sense of things may not be well, but I say that knowing that most of us are not self-aware to the degree that we can just tell that things are a little off. It usually mm -hmm. takes for something to be really off or really destructive for us to realize this might be a problem because right. I do think we're also really good at deceiving ourselves. You know, 
I think we're there. We're the best at deceiving ourselves, even more so than others. Right. I mean, we can really trick ourselves into all kinds of things. Yeah. And we'll keep telling ourselves like, it's not that bad. It just happened this once. And like that one time when we look back, actually it's been happening for a while and it's now a pattern. Um, right. And we didn't ever mean for it to get that way. And that could be all sorts of things, you know? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, kind of going back to, to mental health, like one of the things that I love to give clients when they first start with me is called a daily minimal requirement worksheet. And it looks at the person um, physically, relationally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, um, even financially. It just, it looks at you as a holistic person because all of those different areas impact each other you know, mm-hmm. and, and I asked them, you know, okay, standard, everybody should drink eight glasses of water a day. Most of us don't. So if you were to take, what's the minimum amount of water you need every day just to feel good? I'm not even asking you yeah. to feel great, just to feel good. And even mm-hmm. spiritually speaking, um, I, I know that growing up, it was like, did you read your Bible? Did you pray? How much time did you spend on those things? And that's, I get the structure of that. I get the habit of that. It's to keep us connected in communion with God. But if if our goal every day is to sit down and have a 30-minute quiet time with God, in certain mm. seasons, that's just not realistic. So maybe mm-hmm. the minimal requirement is um, I'm going to listen to the Bible on my commute to work. Maybe the the minimum is... I'm going to say a prayer before I start work today, depending on the Lord, you know? So I think, I think when we can slow down and take a look and we realize we're not getting those daily minimal requirements, that's also an indicator. You're probably burned out. You're probably exhausted. If you're Mm -hmm. getting really impatient with people who you'd love dearly, but they're pushing your buttons. These all kinds in our day-to-day life that, Therapy might be a good uh, choice for you. You know, it doesn't have to be something hugely traumatic. Uh, we shouldn't right. minimize our traumas, but it, you don't ha- you don't have to have walked through something awful to need therapy. I think we all need therapy. If I'm honest, a hundred percent. I mean, I think we like all could like benefit from like general you know, you, cause you never know. Like for me, I was doing therapy and I was like, just focused on anxiety. That was like what my focus was. And it took a couple of therapists to like nail it down and like find one that jived with me. And right. I didn't become their therapist and things like that. Um, cause that can happen. Um, or it, it shouldn't happen, but it's happened to me three times. It's fine. But, um, and I'm so sorry for you. It's okay. It's okay. It was all, I learned something in each, in each one and I'm grateful for it now. And I'm grateful for the people in my life who were like, don't give up. And I think that's also another side message is like, if this therapist that you're talking to, the counselor you're talking to doesn't feel right, like it's okay. Give it, you know, give it three. I, I don't know what your recommendation would be, Christy. Like I'm usually like, that first three preliminary ones, if we're not really jiving, yeah. I'm moving on. Yeah. Um, 
it takes a little bit. Uh, the people pleaser in me really hate hates that. Um, but like, I'm not there for them. I'm there for me. And that That's takes right. another step. Um, but like, you know, I didn't know some of the things that I was struggling with that were that root cause of my anxiety until I really got into therapy. And now I don't go every week like I was, but now it's every few weeks or, you know, I text my therapist. I'm like, yo, like I'm, it's a hard week. I just need somebody to talk to, um, that has the capacity to listen. Um, and I think that's something like a small, like when I feel like with therapy is yes, friends having, you know, Kat and I often talk on the podcast, like having your circle, finding the right people in your life, um, to talk to, but also they might not be emotionally, mentally, like available to receive some of the hard things you're going through or qualified to give you the advice that you need. And sometimes having a third party who's not involved in your life, doesn't know what's going on to talk to and get sound advice from is like what you need. And it doesn't have to be all the time. I think that's another like common myth of therapy is that you have to be, it's like an every day, every week, all the time. But those minimal requirements, like if you can't get through that, there's got to be something going on. Right. Well, I love that daily minimum requirement, Christy. I, I I love that so much because like you can carry that over into every area of life. It's like, you know, you have seasons in your marriage, for instance, right, where it's like there are some seasons and I'm going to go here. There are some seasons you're not having sex. I was, I'm okay. so happy you went there because I was thinking, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Sorry. There just are. And I'm sorry for any of our, our church people that are listening to this podcast. I'm very sorry. But listen. There are seasons where you have a lot of little people in your house right. and you're past each other in the hallways and you're in survival mode and sex is not on the table. Right. Okay. Yeah. But at least a daily minimum requirement of hello, good morning. I love you. Right. Right. Or a, or a five minute, you know, before you fall asleep. Sorry. Quinn joins the podcast today. Um, or a five minute, you know, before you go to bed and, and absolutely pass out of, Hey, anything big going on in your life? Like right. anything that you need to talk about? Like, I know I haven't had energy for us lately, but you know, can we schedule time next week so that we can have a conversation? Like there's a daily minimum requirement and that changes season to season. And yeah. I think the same is true of us personally. It's like, you're not always going to have weeks where you can just like, you know, self-care your way through life, right? You're not going to just be able to go get a massage if you need one or schedule therapy if you need a session, right? But are you able to brush your teeth today, right? Right. Like, were you able to take care of yourself by, you know, basic personal hygiene, right? Because if not, that's a problem, right? Right. That we need to address right now. Not being able to sit down and read a book for 30 minutes, that's not a problem we have to address right now. Right. Right. And so I love that concept. I think that it's so important (laughs) just for every aspect and area of life. But while you're saying that, it was one of the questions that Alex and I talked about earlier that we wanted to ask you is that not everybody can afford therapy. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, You know, my insurance doesn't cover therapy. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, right now, if I really needed therapy, I could make a way. Right. But there was a time in my life that I couldn't have made a way. Right. right? And there are people that they're they're just not financially able. Right. They don't have the resources to do that. So what would you suggest in 
A, do you know of resources that they can tap into to be able to see somebody? Or and B of that question is, do you have suggestions for people that don't have access in ways that they can support and love themselves and take care of their mental health with not being able to seek that right now? Yeah, gosh, those are two really good questions. Um, so the first, my, my mind first goes to answering the first question you asked, which is like resources for people who can't afford therapy right now. I mean, there are some really great resources. I guess technically they might be labeled as like the self-help portion of bookstores, whatever. But because I know that that's like a phrase that some church folks are like, oh, but, you know, God is very present where we invite him. You know what I'm saying? Like he can be part of the process when we prioritize him in that process. So, um, okay. So actually I have this book right here. This is called Rhythms for Life. And it is written by an Anglican priest named Alistair Stern. And this is a phenomenal book to go through with other people, maybe like a small group that you have. What I love about it is um, it's all about finding, I guess it's really learning yourself so that you know what rhythms you want to implement in your life. Um, And he does this by looking at within you, like, What's your, like, let's talk about your identity. Let's talk about your gifts, your talents, and your personality. Let's talk about your values, your roles, and your vocation. And then how could God be using those things in your life? And he he deals with a little bit of healing in that. Um, I also think about resources from uh, Pete Scazzaro, who is the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Gosh, if you work through those books, like, you're going to learn things about yourself. Um, you're going to, you're, you, it's almost like if you can grow in self-awareness, that is like the biggest piece I think of setting you apart from like your average person. And I think when we can grow in self-awareness and curiosity, um, I'm going to tie this in, but I think journaling about journaling being implemented into that can be really helpful too. So what do I mean by like self-awareness and curiosity? Um, and I'm sorry, I know I'm kind of all over the place, but like the emotionally healthy spirituality piece plays into this because he's really going to drive home the better, you know, yourself Hmm. and the better you understand what you're feeling, the more you can bring that to God and say, you know, God, I am, I am mad at this person. God, I'm disappointed with you. And then the better you can actually start to implement truth in your life. You know, and and this is where I'll share a story. Um, When my dad died in 2019, it, it was a prolonged, like ugly journey for my family. And it was a time where I had never felt so disappointed and so mad at God. And, um, there was a, there was a little season there where I was like, I don't want to read the Bible because I don't want to be close to God right now. Cause I like, you're supposed to be the miracle worker. You're supposed to be the healer. You're supposed to be the comforter. And all I feel right now is death. I feel like death is haunting us. And I am so grateful that at that same season, I was in a group of women and we were just doing like, um, a little Bible study. And I finally was like, I guess I'll pick it back up and read it because I'm just sitting at the hospital. What else am I going to do? 
And you guys, it was the first time that I realized that there are moments in scripture where people are questioning God with really hard questions. And then there's still that resolve of, but I will still trust you, but I've got all these hard questions. And it just gave me permission to be honest about what I felt. And then it gave me permission to be honest with God. And so I felt like God was not afraid of my hard emotions. He was not afraid of my hard questions. Mm -hmm. And so to bring this back full circle, I would not have been aware of those emotions if I didn't have self-awareness. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if, if, if I had a really bad theology of God, that would have even prevented me from bringing those questions to him, bringing mm -hmm. those accusations to him. That's the beauty of lament, even like we have the gift of lament in scripture so that we have a way to process the suffering that we see and the suffering that we're exposed to, where we can say, God, I feel this. I am believing this, but help me believe this instead. Like I'm struggling to believe this truth right now, you know, so um, I don't know that I've actually answered that whole question, but. Just saying like, there. oh, I have another book, Every Moment Holy. If people can get their hands on these resources, Every Moment Holy, this is going to, I mean, they have a grief section and then they have like a book that's just for like everyday activities. I think it's, again, it's honoring what we feel as humans mm -hmm. because we are beings with feeling that God gave us, he gave us right. the to feel, you know, mm -hmm. and oftentimes we don't know what to do with those feelings, but these books, the every moment, holy resources, I feel like it just beautifully guides us back to God with these feelings. And mm -hmm. they're not all hard. Like some of them are beautiful, but some of them are, are very, um, like just spot on with hard circumstances. You know, we all know there are moments in life that just knock the breath out of you and you don't know what to do with them. I would say that every moment, holy resources, um, they take scripture and they just apply it so beautifully to our current day life um, <laughs> across the board. So that's the long answer for like just a few resources for people who maybe can't afford therapy. Um, another idea that came to mind is I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Many licensed professional counselors have the ability to do telehealth in your state. So, you know, I said I was from Thomasville. I'm actually from Metcalf, Georgia. So Metcalf is like this teeny tiny little place below Thomasville. And even below, like further below that is Miccosukee, Florida. And like, you know, if you go 20 or 30 minutes, you can be in a city, but maybe you still don't have access to a physical therapist that you can sit with. Well, in your state, there are licensed people that can do telehealth. And most y'all, probably over half of my clients, I see on the computer because they don't want to come in person. Maybe they can't take off work long enough, but we're doing great work. We're doing EMDR through the computer. Like That's what I do. They're working on their story. They're learning the skills of how to navigate hard relationships. They're learning how to communicate for the first time in their life. 
and it's all accessible online. But mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody knows that they have access to that. And mm-hmm. um, certain, you know, certain like fine places that have a sliding scale fee. Our place doesn't have a sliding scale fee, but we have a sponsorship agreement. Some churches that are on board with mental health, they'll provide like money for people to go see therapists or like maybe your work does. You know, if your work is a big proponent of mental health, maybe your work will provide like some sponsorships for a few sessions. And honestly, a few sessions is better than no sessions. Mm-hmm. Because you can get some tools. Right. If you go into your therapist's office, cause I've been there, right. You can go into your therapist's yeah. office and you say, listen, I, I'm only going to be able to come for three sessions or four sessions, but these are the issues that I know that I'm dealing with. Yep. Can you help me with some tools to manage my anger? Can you help me with some tools to manage my anxiety? Can you help me, okay. you know, whatever that is, or like, you know, for marriage, you know, if we take it back there, right. If you're married, like your, your marriage doesn't have to be in the depths of despair, right. Okay. To seek counseling. Right. right. You might just need to tune up every now and then. You might just need to go in the counselor's office and be like, listen, we got four kids and groceries are hot. We can't afford therapy all the time. But listen, we're having some communication issues. Can you give us some tools and resources to help us with our communication? Yeah, that's right. And I will say right now, because I feel like we are in a time where people try to gain a lot of knowledge through TikTok. You can't get counseling through TikTok. No, you cannot. You can you can learn a 30 second clip about a cool technique, but that doesn't teach you all the risks that are involved once you start implementing that. It doesn't teach you how to implement it. Like, please right. don't get your mental health advice just from TikTok. Like, do the work. Read a book. Right. Talk and a life coach and a therapist are not the same thing. No, they're very, very different. different. Not not taking anything away from life coaches, okay? That's but right. they're a very a different thing. thing. And prayer doesn't take the place of mental health counseling, right. okay? Doesn't. I was having this conversation recently, and we're having a long episode, and I'm here for it. But uh, we're having this uh, conversation recently with a family member, and they made the comment because we're having a very hard, like, family issue. Mm-hmm. And some people have, like, cut them off from from contact. Mm-hmm. And um I see both sides and I think that there's fault on both sides, just saying that in case anybody's yeah. listening. But um they said, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He he will tell us what's right and what's wrong. And I'm like, okay, Jiminy Cricket. All right. Like I understand. <laughs> Let your conscience be your guide. Okay. I understand. That the Holy Spirit will nudge us, okay, and comfort us, all right? But that is what he's there for, okay? That nowhere in scripture does it say, please go see the Holy Spirit should you experience anxiety, depression, um, thoughts of suicide. Like, no, nowhere. Right. Nowhere in scripture does right. it say that. Nowhere. Right. Okay. We're to pray for healing. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Right. But you don't have problems in your in in your life or in your your brain because you know you don't pray hard enough or because you have sin in your life all right there's there's other things yeah there's other things right. and we go see a doctor when we're hurt okay right. if our if our leg was broken we'd go see the doctor to have it fixed right right mental health concern and when a family member says that they think that you need counseling and they won't talk to you until you get it well maybe we should explore that and unpack that a little bit 
Right. Because right. I think you just hit on the point. It's one thing to acknowledge something is a problem. It's another thing to take the steps to actually deal with the problem. You know, right. I love telling people like God cannot work on the thing that you do not bring to him. Mm-hmm. If you are not aware of whatever the problem is. And honestly, just saying they deal with depression, we should pray for them. is still a form of avoiding the issue. That right there. Mm-hmm. It, it, it spiritualizes it. Great. Mm-hmm. But we're still not treating it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And we see instances, even in scripture, okay, even in scripture where the man still had to take up his bed and walk. Okay. Like Jesus might have healed him, but he was still told to then take action. Right. Or the, the wiping of the mud on the eyes, right? Like they still had an active part, right. In their healing journey. Okay. And so the woman with the issue of blood, she still had an active part, right. She had to act in accordance with her faith. And so I think that counseling can be a big part of that. Um, But, you know, we just want to encourage all of our listeners. This has been such a good episode. And I think that there's so many different people that can take so many things away from this episode. And we're going to link some stuff in the show notes about resources and um, just things you may not have thought about if you need, you know, counseling and if you need additional resources for your mental health, because taking care of yourself, taking care of your mind, taking care of, of your emotions, these are all things that are part of loving yourself deeply. And so we just want to encourage you that no matter where you are in this journey, that you are not too much. Not too much. You're not too little. Not too little. You're just enough. You're just enough.